Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. We're talking about one of the biggest questions of our entire life, really, and the question is this, what does it take to be right with God? How can I be right with God? How can an imperfect person like me be made right with God? And if you ask this question today, really you kind of get all sorts of answers from all different people. You know why? Because we live in a spiritually pluralistic society where people like to use the word spirituality and, the, and, and, the, and it's just there's so much spiritual things in this society that people believe in. In fact, it's common today for people to say things like this. It doesn't matter what you believe, everybody's going to the same place. Have you ever heard that before? Or have you ever heard somebody say all paths lead to the, to lead to the same place or all religions? There's, there's people that I know that I've gotten a chance to talk to that just basically believe that all religions are basically the same and you basically need to be either good or bad and you either go to a good place or a bad place. And that's, that's, what, that's our culture today. Our culture really teaches this. And today, I'm just going to talk really open and honest about this theology that I'm really just calling the feel-good theology. I don't know if you, if you ever thought about this, but because I'm a pastor, often I'm around people when, when people pass away, when a family member passes away. And I think it's interesting that as soon as someone passes away, we begin to think about life after death. Like all of a sudden it opens everybody's eyes and it's like, wow, we are going to die one day and what's going to happen when we die? And most people have this feel-good theology and they start saying things like this. I'm sure you've heard this at a funeral or somewhere like this. It, it, they say, you know, they were a good person and they're just, they're not suffering anymore and they're, they're going to a good place. They're in a better place now. And I, I, I love the one that's like, like, grandma's in a better place looking down on us. Like, sometimes I'm like, there's a couple times a day where I don't want grandma looking down on me, right? <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> and that, but that's the feel-good theology, and that's what so many people believe these days. Because we live in such a spiritually pluralistic society, it doesn't matter whether they were a Christian or a Jew or a Muslim or a Buddhist, we just say that, that you know, they're in a better Place now, And that's the theology that our world has. And so I, I just want to propose to you this question this morning. It, it, it's this, what do you believe about eternal life? What do you actually believe about eternal life? If you would be honest with yourself this morning, why, where, where would you say that you think you're going? In fact, I, I heard this story. I, we like to have fun at church if you're new here, just by the way. So I, I've got a, I got a nice little story for you. I heard it. It was so funny. I thought I would share it with you. This lady, she, she believed in reincarnation. You know what I'm talking about? Where maybe you were once something like, like maybe you were a blade of grass or something, and then you were reincarnated to a person. Like, so, so that's... <laughs> That's what she believes. She, she really believes that, uh, she really believed that whatever you loved, you once were. And so this lady believed she, she loved trees and she loved France. And so what she believed that she was before, um, before she was reincarnated as a person, she believed that she was a tree in France because she loved trees and she loved France. And, and uh, there was this guy with him and, and, the, and, and the, he's like, so, okay, so you believe that you were, you, you, you were once something that you loved. And so he's like, well, something that I love. He's like, I was probably multiple women. Because <laughs> he, he was just like, I love me a woman, you know. And so, 
And so he was just kind of playing with these guys and, and uh, <laughs> loosen up, all right? You might, <laughs> you who wore the, if you wore a suit jacket today, you might need to take that off. <laughs> We're, we're just real here, all right? But, and so if you think that's good, you know, it, it, then this other guy, he, he was getting kind of aggravated because the lady kept asking the same question. You know, what, what, what were you? What were you? And he's like, I don't believe it. I don't believe in that. And she's like, what were you? What were you? And he's, he finally answered. He's like, so you were a tree in France. So I was a dog in France. And I lived close to your tree. <laughs> and so... Really, what do you think? What, what do you think about life after death? How, what do you believe about eternal life? And and really, that's a funny story. But there are people who really believe that. Our culture has taught us to really believe whatever we feel like we should believe. And and I think it's very interesting that our culture says there's there's very little controversy about God and spirituality. Like a lot of people, if you watch any type of award shows on, on television, and they, they accept an award, and they, they go up, and they're like, I think my higher power, I think God, I, I, I think my, my spiritual being, it's always something like that. So spirituality in this culture is talked about a whole lot, but can I tell you that it gets controversial when you bring up the name of Jesus. That's why we sung this song at the beginning of service. It's because it's Jesus, the name Jesus, stirs a whole lot of controversy. And the interesting thing is, is that although it stirs controversy, no one debates Jesus' existence. Almost everyone understands that Jesus was an actual person. He actually lived, and, 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 and he was actually on earth. In fact, that's even accepted as a historical fact that Jesus was an actual person. And I think it's interesting, too, that that people who stir controversy about Jesus, they also love his teaching. Like, nobody really wants to disagree about Jesus' teaching because Jesus taught about things about helping the poor. He taught about loving others. He talked about blessing other people. He talked about serving other people. He talked about forgiving. And so a lot of people like Jesus' teachings. And so my question is, like, why do people get so, like, wigged out because at, at the name of Jesus? Why don't, they, why don't they like Jesus so much? And I think it's because of this. It's because Jesus makes a very exclusive claim in the Bible. Jesus is a very exclusive person. And can I tell you, we live in an inclusive society, we want to be a part of everything. We want to be in every friend group there is. We want to be a part. And I mean, it's like if there's multiple events going on in one day, we want to be a part of all of it. Like, like, like we fill our schedules to the max every time. And because we live in such an inclusive world, and Jesus makes this exclusive claim, and it stirs some controversy. And so the inclusive world wants to say all roads lead to God, but Jesus takes away that mindset when he says that he is the only way. Here's what he says in John chapter 14. I'm going to take a drink real quick. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the mindset that Jesus has. Jesus has a very exclusive claim. And there it is right there. No one comes through the Father except through me. And so in our inclusive world of religious pluralism, Jesus makes an exclusive claim that he is the only way. He's the only way to get into heaven. And people still try to say that all roads lead to God. 
And here's what I can tell you, that if, 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 you've, if you've ever battled with some of this different stuff, I, I know that there is some truth, and really there is some beauty in all different world religions. Like, there is some truth in different religions, and there is some beauty in some different religions, but I want us to all agree this morning that they are not all the same. All religions are not the same. In fact, I brought a couple, and I'm going to explain them to you just so you have an idea of, of where we are. In fact, uh, let me start out with Buddhism. Buddhism is, uh, a Buddhist has no God. They have no type of final existence. They have a countless rebirth. So they basically, they, they're, they're basically reincarnated over and over again until the cycle ends. And then there's Hinduism. Hinduism has an impersonal God who is approached through these deities. If you've ever seen statues and idols, that's typically uh, Hinduism. That's what it is. And Buddhism and Hinduism both, they have no forgiveness of sins. They have no supernatural help. All they have is something named karma. Maybe you've heard of karma before. Karma is just basically if you do something bad to somebody, something bad is going to happen to you. And so that's, that's what they believe, Buddhism and Hinduism. And then there's, then there's Muslims. Muslims worship a personal God. His name is Allah. You've probably heard it before. And they have no secondary gods. They have a total ban on idols. And your standing depends on your religious devotion and good works. Basically, if you're a Muslim, you have to do good works to get yourself into the good place, right? That's what Muslims do. And then I think this one's really interesting, is this New Age. Have you ever heard of New Age before? New Age is so interesting, where there's no personal God, there's just, you just have a higher conscious. And, and what you're trying to do with New Age is yeah, you're trying to align like your higher conscious with, uh, with like the universe and the cosmos, so that you can have higher... <laughs> I, it's, it's really weird. You ought to look it up sometimes. But anyway, that, that's, that's what New Age is. And then if you would compare that with Christianity, Christianity has a personal God who loved people so much that he became like them. He sent his son Jesus, who lived without sin, died on a cross for us, and he didn't stay dead. He rose again so that people can be made right with God. It's not by any type of idol or performance, but the it's by faith in Jesus alone. And that's the God that we serve. And so although there may be some truth and beauty in all different types of world religions, they are not the same. And I just want you to understand that, that they are just not the same. So that spiritually pluralistic society, it just blows up whenever you really look into that. And so today, all I'm going to ask you, and really the title of this message today is this, I would just love for you to consider Jesus. I would wonder if this Easter, would you just consider Jesus? And here's what I'm not asking I'm not even going to ask you to consider our church. Listen, you can know Jesus and not, not know a church. It's just the truth. I, I recommend being plugged into a church somewhere. This is a great church to be plugged into. But I'm telling you that you can know Jesus. You don't have to know, you don't, you don't have to belong to any sort of church because sometimes churches, uh, they get, a lot of churches get a bad rap. I'm not even going to ask you to consider, let's see, the religion of Christianity. I'm talking about the religion of Christianity. There's a lot of religious practices that Christianity has picked up, and it's just not right. And, I, and I'm gonna, I, I've come to say this this morning, and you'll, you'll find out, we'll talk a little bit about this later, but Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to have a relationship with you. And, and, and I'm not even going to ask you, I want you to consider Jesus, but I'm not even going to ask you to consider these so-called 
Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Christians. I know a lot of Christians, and uh, they're very, very interesting people to deal with. Most of the time, they're out of touch, narrow-minded, judgmental people with bad hair. That's just who they. Are. That's just who they are. Like, like a lot of these Christians, they want to judge you all the time, and they, and and and, and so half the time they want to cast out a demon or something out of you, you know, because you're just so not right with God. I'm not even going to ask you to consider Christians. I just want you to consider Jesus. Let me just say this too. I don't even want you to look at my life. Don't look at my life because I can tell you that I will let you down. I will let you down. If you follow me around long enough, you'll see me do something wrong, and then you'll be disappointed. Don't even consider my life. All I want you to do is to consider Jesus. Consider who Jesus is. And so I've got three different points for you today. They're going to go by really quick, but I would love for you just to consider Jesus. Here's the first thing. Consider the ministry of Jesus. I wonder if you would just consider the ministry of Jesus. Mark 2, verse 16 through 17, it says this. When the teachers of the law and the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, that's very important right there, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners. And I tell you that Jesus did not come to call those who had it all together. He didn't come to call people who, who act like they know what they're doing. He came for people like me and quite possibly like you who are in need of help, who are in need of grace, who are in need of mercy and really in need of forgiveness. He came for those, Jesus came for those who religion rejected. They're not good enough, they're not clean enough, they're not righteous enough, not holy enough. That's exactly who Jesus came for. Those whom others despise, can I tell you, Jesus loved. If you're despised in here, Jesus loves you. He accepts you. In fact, there's a story in the Bible about where a woman, the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Obviously, this woman was sinning. Like, she had a bad problem. She was caught in the act, if you really think about that, parents, all right? In the act of adultery. She was, she was sinning right there. They brought her, the Pharisees brought her to Jesus, and what did Jesus do? Jesus looked at the woman, and, and the Bible says that he even knelt down in the sand, and he started writing something in the sand. We don't know what he wrote in the sand. Scholars think that he started writing out the sins of the Pharisees that brought him there. I think that's very interesting. We don't exactly know, but he told the Pharisees, he said, you without sin, you can cast the first stone. You cast the first stone, and can I tell you, one at a time, they walked away until everyone was gone. That was the ministry of Jesus. Let me tell you a little bit more about the ministry of Jesus. Jesus opened blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. He touched lepers. He turned water into wine. And for some of us, for our Baptist friends, they don't really like that one. But uh, <laughs> he turned water into wine. He walked on water. He raised the dead. That's who Jesus was. And here's the interesting part, is that critics didn't question the validity of his miracles. They saw the miracles, but here's the deal. They saw it, and they just wanted it to stop. They saw Jesus raise people from the dead. They didn't care that it happened. They just wanted him to stop. They didn't care about it. Critics didn't question the validity of his miracles. 
They just wanted him to stop. And many of you, I think it's so interesting, many of you, you're a modern-day miracle of Jesus. Many of us, we have stories of this is how I was, and this is who I am now. So many of us, we were transformed by Jesus. We were a mess, and we're transformed. We were addicted, and we were free. We, were, we, we had hatred in our heart, but now we have grace. We're different because of Jesus. That's why I love showing testimonial videos. That's why I love seeing Kent's story. I got a chance to, I, I got a chance to sit down and film that video with Kent, and Kent was really in a bad place. He had the wrong influences around him. He was addicted to alcohol. And here's the deal. God had so much more for his life. He had so much more for his life. And, and, and when he finally went to church and, and, and went to church with his wife, and, and he, he, when he went to church, he said, he told me, and I think he said it a little bit about the vi- in the video, that he was accepted with open arms. Just <laughs> he, like they were waiting on him. And because of that, he was able, over a process of time, he was able to break free from his past mistakes and his brokenness. And now he's walking with Jesus. And can I tell you, he was even on the core team who started this church just over six months ago. God is using him, but he's using his story as well to transform other lives. It's so interesting. So many of us, we, we, have, uh, we have these modern day testimonies. And can I tell you that me personally, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. I was raised in church, always doing ministry. But can I tell you that you can always be doing ministry and never be ministered to. It's just the, it's just the sad part. So many, so many ministers, they get caught up in doing the ministry, but they're never ministered to. I had the time to read the Bible to prep for a message, but I never did have time to read it on my own. That's just who I was. And, and, and that's what I, I, had, I had come to accept. And I remember I remember so distinctly being in a small group, and I remember saying these words. If you've been here before, you've probably heard me say this before. But I remember saying these words. I was a full-time pastor, part-time follower of Christ. Many of us in here, we're full-time moms, part-time followers of Christ. We're full-time dads. We're full-time, we're, we're, we're full-time carpenters. We're, we're full-time whatever it is, just part-time followers of Christ. And that's where I was. And when I realized that since then, can I tell you that Jesus has healed me? He set me free from addictions. He set me free from my past. And he's, he's made me a new creation. That's the ministry of Jesus. So Jesus is. He wants to make you a new creation. Would you consider the ministry of Jesus? I wonder if you would also consider the resurrection of Jesus. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. Why in the world does, it, was, does the resurrection matter? Can I tell you, if you don't know the story of Jesus, I want to give you a little short clip here. Here's what it was. Jesus was miraculously conceived. Jesus was born of a virgin. He did not inherit sin. He lived completely without sin. He lived a perfect life for us. And here's the deal. Jesus on the cross, he became sin for you and for me. And this is the story. Jesus suffered horribly. And I can just picture Jesus hanging on the cross. And, and as the creator was hanging on the cross, his creation was spitting on him, mocking him. They said that he was beat so bad before he got to the cross that he was unrecognizable. That his skin was ripped off his back, that, that you couldn't hardly even recognize him. And as he was hanging on the cross and as, and as people were insulting him and beating him, Jesus looked up and cried out. And this is so amazing. He cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Our creator, 
suffered pain horribly from us, from me, and from you. And he had, he looked up and he said, it is finished. He forgave us and he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last breath. And can I tell you that the moment he did, the earth went dark and the ground trembled and and there was a Roman centurion at the feet of Jesus who was not even a, he wasn't even a follower of Jesus, but the Roman centurion looked up at Jesus and he saw his grace. He saw his mercy on the cross and he looked at him and he said, surely this was the son of God. Surely this was the son of God. And just as Jesus predicted, here's the good part. He said, Jesus said, I will give my life and three days later I'll be raised from the dead. The woman went to the tomb three days later and they saw that stone rolled away. And the amazing thing is this guy named Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, he denied Jesus just a day before. But Peter, after he saw the stone rolled away, was completely transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. Some of that, that's going to be you this morning, that you're going to be completely transformed by the resurrection of Jesus. And then Peter went out in Acts and he preached passionately about him. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And that's why these men were willing to lose their lives, because they saw the Creator rise from the dead. They were witnesses of the resurrection. Can I tell you that the whole story of the Bible hinges on the resurrection of Jesus? It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. And I think it's so funny when people say, like, like people try to make up excuses on why he, he wasn't resurrected or, or, or different, different stories. Uh, some people say that the Roman soldiers stole the body. I just think that's silly because the enemies, the Roman soldiers were the enemies of Jesus and they would have loved to produce the body and, and they would have loved to said, yes, he's right here and he's dead. They wanted him dead. So that, that theory doesn't even make sense. There's another theory that floats around out there that says the disciples stole the body of Jesus. Here's the interesting thing, that you think some unarmed men overpowered some trained Roman guards? I don't think so. Let me ask you this. Do you really expect any rational thinking person to believe that 11 small town, uneducated average men devised the most elaborate and deceptive scheme in history and they pulled it off and kept it a secret for the rest of the world? It doesn't, no, 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 no. These theories are just crazy. The disciples, they, they had no personal motive, but they had an extreme personal loss. Can I tell you that all the disciples of Jesus ended up dying as a martyr? Only one of them didn't die as, as a martyr, and that guy was sent to an island and died alone of his old age. And my favorite of the disciples is Thomas, and I think Thomas is like many of us. Maybe you've heard the phrase, doubting Thomas, before. That's where this phrase comes from. Thomas was what, like many of us, and he, he was a doubter. He doubted that, that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. He wanted to believe, but he wanted more. So many of us, we want to believe, but we just want more. We're like Thomas. And the interesting thing about Thomas is Thomas wanted to see and to touch the nail scars in his hands and in his feet, and Thomas actually got to do it. And because of that, Thomas was the first evangelist to India. And can I tell you that Thomas was so transformed by the resurrection of Jesus that, that when he started preaching about Jesus, they, they captured him and they told him that either you can deny Jesus and you can live, or if you stand by Jesus, you will die. Thomas sat there and told him, 
I will never deny my Jesus. And can I tell you that they drove a stake through his body and they impaled him. Thomas suffered death. Why? Because he was an eyewitness. He knew the resurrection of Jesus was real. Even unto death, he decided that it was real. He saw it with his own eyes. He was an eyewitness. Would you consider the resurrection of Jesus? That 2,000 years later, we still place our faith in that empty tomb. We still place our faith in the resurrection of Jesus. So consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the resurrection of Jesus. And the last one here is consider the eternal message of Jesus. It says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's true for everyone, everyone who believes, everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Can I tell you, no matter who you are, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many bad things you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt. It doesn't matter how many times you've sinned. It doesn't matter how, how, how dark your life is right now. It doesn't matter how many times you've lied, how many times you've stolen. You are not made right with God by your works or by being good enough. When you call on Jesus, you are made brand new. You're not just a better person of yourself. You're made new with Jesus. That's how you're made right with God. It doesn't matter who you are. All you have to do is place your faith and trust in Jesus. And this morning, I'm not going to ask you to consider religion because really religion is about the things that we do and, and the things that we don't do. And I tell you, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to give you life. He came to give you life to the fullest. You are made right with God because Jesus was perfect and because he took the penalty. And on that cross, he paid the price for your sin. It's the difference between religion and relationship. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to give eternal life and to show us the love of God. At this church, we have a core value that says we reject religion and we embrace relationship. That's what this message is about. Can I compare and contrast religion and relationship for you real quick? Religion is all about how you perform. It's honestly all about you. Religion is all about me, 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 me. What can I do? But a relationship is all about Jesus. Religion says, if I obey, God will love me. But a relationship says, because God loves me, I get to obey. Religion is all about, what can I do? What can I do? And can I tell you, a relationship with Jesus is all about what is done, what he already did for us on that cross. You're not made right with God by your works, but you're made right with God by the grace and the love of Jesus. And so here's where I stand at the end of the day. If there's a guy who claims to be the Son of God, and he says that he's the only way to the Father, and he predicted his death and, the resur and his resurrection, and he actually died, and he actually rose again, can I tell you, that's the guy I'm going with. That's who I'm going with. Because he came for someone like me. Jesus came for a sinner, lost and in trouble, and he showed me what God is like. Can I tell you, Jesus did not die for religion. He came and died for eternal life. And because of what Jesus did for me, my response can only be, Jesus, take my life. Jesus, take my life.
Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? This morning, some of you, that needs to be your response. Your response needs to be hands lifted. Jesus, take my life. You can do that right now. In fact, we're just going to pray a simple prayer. It's just called the Believer's Prayer. And all it says is, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. And when you say those words, Jesus comes into your life. And he will transform your life from the inside out. Can I tell you that it's a process? It doesn't happen all at once. But it's a process. And some of you in here today, you need to, you need to man up and you need to say, because of what Jesus did for me, my response is Jesus take my life. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you in this room and you say you want to accept Jesus, maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you want to recommit your life to Christ. On the count of three, I wonder if you would raise your hands. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hands lifted all around this room. Just pop them up and down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Church, because we believe in this prayer, we're going to say this all together. Say this after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving my shame on the cross where you left it. Thank you for everything that you did for me. In Jesus' name, amen.